Thanks, Alistair. So good morning, everyone. Good to see you. The definition of a best friend, according to yourdictionary.com, is an especially close friend who's a trusted friend, a person who you value above other friends in your life, someone you like to have fun with, someone you trust, and someone in whom you can confide. I'm sure we can all recall someone who at some point in our lives has been a best friend. Whether for a short time or for a long time, we can all probably remember. And while you're thinking about that, I'll give you the correct answer if you're married, which is your best friend's your spouse. Don't forget. And that's true for me, certainly, anyway. Our friendships hold great power to influence who we are and how we think. Our friends can even change us profoundly, which is why most parents hope and pray that their children will develop healthy, life-giving friendships that encourage them to grow and develop in a healthy way. This week, we're continuing in the summer series based on the Storylines book by Andy Croft and Mike Pilavachi. And just in case you aren't sure, this is just a book that we're using as background reading for, for preparing these talks. Um, you guys don't actually have to read along with this one, just in case you're wondering, because I know a few people have been asking. Um, and really, the, this book highlights the story, um, several different types of storylines that run throughout the Bible. And the one that I was looking at in the past week was the Jesus storyline. And what they're saying about the Jesus storyline is really all about how it relates to the Old Testament. And they highlight to the reader how echoes of Jesus can be traced through the lives of Noah and Abraham and Moses and Joseph and David as a few examples, which um, shows us that God always knew that his friendship with mankind could only be rebuilt through him coming himself in the person of Jesus. It's not like Jesus was the plan B. God always planned and always knew that Jesus was going to come. And as, as you view the Old Testament through the lens of Jesus and the Jesus storyline, you actually sh see that he's echoed and shadowed all the way through all of these stories of the Old Testament. The authors of that book, Storylines, write this in the opening pages. They say, the whole Bible is a love story of God calling us into relationship with himself. If ever, anyone ever asks you to explain the gospel in a single sentence, I think that's a pretty good effort, if you remember that. The whole Bible is a love story of God calling us into a relationship with himself. Because in that we see that we were made for a personal relationship with God, with the one true God. And because of sin, which is part of us all, we were cut off from that life-given relationship. And if the story ended there, it would be a great tragedy for us. But the sentence also talks about God's love, who was prepared to go all the way to make a relationship with fallen humankind possible. So he sent his only son to earth, not to, not to be served, but to serve, on a mission to show the world that God's love was amazing and great. And 2,000 years ago on a hill outside Jerusalem, God himself in the person of Jesus laid down his own life in the perfect sacrifice and the perfect gesture of friendship. Only to be raised again three days later by the power of love, dealing a fatal blow to sin and death, and at the same time opening a way for us to step back into an eternal loving relationship with our creator who'll stop at nothing to love us because he wants to call us friends. And all anyone has to do to begin that relationship 
is respond to this central biblical truth. I think sometimes people think, you know, there's the gospel and then you kind of get past that and you go on into the Bible and learn all the other stuff. But actually the gospel is the beginning and the end of it all from Genesis to Revelation. It's the whole story. And if we respond to that central biblical truth by letting the reality, re reality of it transform us and transform our lives, and we respond to it in the way that perhaps Romans 10 verse 9 suggests that if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And just today, if you want to respond to that message, I'm going to be sitting down in the front row here and I've got some copies of a book, a little book about Jesus, and I'd love you to come over and I'd pray with you and just chat to you. And that's what somebody did for me and it changed my entire life. And I would just love to have that privilege with you. So if you're here and you hear that and you think, you know what, I'm ready to believe Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, come forward. I'd love to talk to you just for a couple of minutes at the end and pray with you. So God wants to be your friend, but it's not in that kind of corny, you've got a friend request from God kind of way. It's, it's more that God knows that his friendship is what we need to actually thrive and survive. A friendship with God helps us make better choices about the things we allow to influence, influence us in our lives. Without him, the Bible says we're blown about by every wind of new teaching and easily influenced when people try to trick us trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth and I kind of know that's true from personal experience because I spent many years being blown about by those winds and believing things that I thought were true and following those things only to wind right back up in the place that I started a little bit worse off than I was when I left and I've kind of been there and done that and, and I just know that that's true in the passage that we're reading today, Jesus is in the middle of his last block of teaching to the disciples before the ordeal of his arrest and his trial and his cru crucifixion. And so it's Thursday night and Jesus will be crucified the next day. And at this most kind of crucial time in his mission, what he chooses to say to his followers is all about relationship. So it's kind of in a way some of his most important teaching, most significant time, and he chooses to talk all about relationship. Verse 5 from our reading gives a good summary of what Jesus is saying. It says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The picture is of Jesus as the true vine, and that's really what we would call the stem or the trunk of the plant. It's, it's the main bit. Um, they call it the vine but it's a bit that comes from the ground. It draws all the nourishment and nutrients from the ground and it feeds it and distributes it, distributes it out to the branches. And so as long as the branches are grafted in to the vine, to the stem, they will gain that sustenance and receive the nourishment they need and that will produce fruit. And the first thing I think we can learn from the passage is that when you look at that analogy, you see that we as Jesus followers don't necessarily need to perform to please God and be fruitful. Because actually what it's all about is not performance, it's about connection. And that's what God's calling us to. And this can be really counterintuitive for us because we've been conditioned to, to push forward in life, to seek to succeed and to strive and to make things happen or else we're told nothing will happen. 
and we've been taught that when we succeed, you know, a lot of people will affirm us, and, and, and that's right, because those things are good. It's not to say those things are bad. But it's also not the full picture of how our relationship with Jesus works. The Christian author, Jan Johnson, says, our task is to do the connecting while God does the perfecting. And I think that's a good way to express it. It's on us to maintain the connection. The branch doesn't work to produce fruit. It just allows itself to be filled with life-giving goodness that's coming from the vine. It has to be empty of other things to have space and capacity to take that good stuff in. And then that actually brings forth the fruit. And it's through ongoing renewal brought about by a constant relational connection to the life-giving vine that we're transformed into fruitful branches, beginning bringing glory to the Father. So the question for us is, how do we go about maintaining that relationship and making sure we're connected and receiving all that we should be receiving? How can we see abundant spiritual fruit being brought forward in our lives? One thing we know about the Gospels in the Bible is that if Jesus says something two or three times in a verse, we should take notice of it. And in the six verses in the reading that we read today, Jesus says the word remain 11 times. So we know that there's something really critical to pick up on here. And the word remain, in some translations, it's rendered abide. And it's this idea that um, it's to stay with, not to depart from, to dwell in. You know, if you have an abiding memory, it's a memory that stays with you and, and never leaves you. If you abide by the rules, well, the first time you break the rule, you can't abide by the rules anymore, or you're not a person who abides by the rules. So if you abide by these things, you kind of stay with them, you stick to them. And that's, that's really the idea that's being put forward by this word. The Greek word is meno, but it's abide or remain. And as we read on, we see the need and why Jesus is highlighting this to us, because we need to be permanently connected because God has a real challenge for us in this verse, in verse 10, where he says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. Now, Jesus kept every command the father gave him. He never stepped out of step with the father. And yet he's calling us to walk in his commands the same way he walks in the Father's commands. And that's a high call. He says later, in other, another place in the Bible, he says that the, the, the law and the prophets can be summed up in this way. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. And even taking it down to those principles, that's tough. You know, especially... In the context of community you know we all have idiosyncrasies and and uh, we don't always express the pure love of jesus for one another but that's what god calls us to so how are we going to do it the good news is that jesus has given us his holy spirit and the holy spirit will come alongside us to strengthen us and to shelter us and to encourage us and to help us not just for a season but forever the Holy Spirit within us also witnesses constantly to Jesus, pointing us towards the Lord in everything that we encounter on a daily basis.
We don't have to strive or fret. Instead, we're being present with the Lord and abide with him because he loves us. And we know that in that, we can be confident of this, that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. But how do we go about abiding in the love of Christ? Like, what do we practically do? To learn more about who God is, we can read his word. We kind of know that. We can go to the Bible. That's, that's where we have to go to learn about who God is. The, the authors of the storyline books say this. To put it bluntly, they say, it's very hard to get to know God without reading the Bible. And that's pretty much bang on. Because otherwise, we'll just kind of imagine up a God for ourselves. And, and even, even when we do know God, we quite often tack things on or take things away until we actually see the words on the page and go, yes, no, actually, I do remember what God said about this. So that's where we want to go. Obviously, we're not all going to become biblical scholars, and it's a journey. But we want to be seeking after God and seeking to be transformed by his life-given word. The word of God is living and active, and it brings transformation. And a lot of people have a regular time every day where they'll go to a quiet spot in the house or get away from people and, and just get alone with the Bible and read their Bible and pray. And that is brilliant. And it's something I think we should all aspire to. And down the generations, for centuries of Christian witness, this has been the, the primary way that people have sought to work out spiritual disciplines through a daily discipline of quiet time. But truth be told, you know, for me and, and for a few other families at our stage of life, we know that uh, this isn't particularly working overly well for us because timetables are hectic and sleep deprivation with kids can be challenging and that kind of thing. And so we've resorted to kind of doing a family Bible time after breakfast each day. And it's often noisy and it can be emotional <laughs> and it's sometimes beautiful as well. But through it all, there's still a sense, even though it's kind of a bit more chaotic, that God is shaping us through his word. And I just think he's so faithful in that. And the encouragement is to say, even if you don't think you have a lot of time, might be on the bus on the way to work, or it might be listening to an app on your phone or whatever, seek to engage with the word in a regular way. Because it will transform you and it will bring life. So however it looks for you, Find a pattern that works and be open to change, but keep engaging. In Psalm 119, David exclaims his passion for God's word, saying, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So the second thing we can do to meet with God is meet with God in prayer. Prayer is literally just talking to God. But how amazing is it that we can literally just talk to God at any time of the day or night? And I know that when I think about it, it convicts me because how often do I show up to go and talk to him day and night? And, uh, you know, it's not as often as I do some other things that are much more not a good use of my time. Um, scripture would encourage us again to go into the, the secret place, to go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who's unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And that again is something we should seek after and seek after those dedicated times of prayer where you can listen and meditate and worship and present your request to God without interruption. And they're fulfilling times and life-giving times and a great way to continue to abide in the love of God. But I also want to suggest 
something else to you when it comes to prayer and scripture reading. And I have found this recently to be really transformational. It began when I was reminded about something Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians where he said, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And it was kind of that pray without ceasing. And I was thinking, pray without ceasing, but that, that's only like prayer, that's talking to God. And I started to think, you know, what's God saying about this? And Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, tells us that God's will for us in Christ Jesus is to speak to him without ceasing, rejoicing and giving thanks no matter what the circumstances are. And so when it came to abiding and thinking about this passage, I started to think, you know, the Lord's not just calling us to a one-time-a-day meeting in the morning where we can be tempted to just go on out then and think, happy days, box ticked, I'm good for the day, and off you go, and, and you leave him there. You know, what God's really calling us to is a, a minute-by-minute, hour-by-hour awareness of his presence in our lives and our presence and our presence with him as a lived reality. You know, it's like a friendship, and that's why we're talking about friendship today. And it brought me to conviction as well, because I started to think about some things that I would say from time to time. And I, I know in the past I've said, you know, um, I was a real sense of God's presence in the worship tonight. You know, I just really felt God's presence. And, and that's great, and that happens, and it's beautiful when it happens. But I sort of flipped it around and thought, well, what if, what if somebody asked God, well, how many times was Johnny present with you this week? Did he show up in prayer? Has he been with you much this week? Did he spend much of his day with you? And I started to think, maybe not as much as I would like. And so that kind of spurred me on then to think, and they offer a bit of a, an encouragement to you guys as well to, to try this. And I did start trying it, and it really did bring kind of breakthrough for me. And, and what I found was that um, rather than, you know, what can often feel very difficult disciplines that, that we try to attain, by simply spending more of my day with God, this hunger and desire to meet, meet with him built more in a kind of quite natural way because I just started to share lots of my day with him. And, um, you know, funny things, I just wrote a few down here. It might be that you're walking across the park and you smell a fresh, smell of cut grass on a sunny afternoon and you just think, oh Lord, the beauty of your creation, it's just great. You know, and for that wee minute, you just connect with him and worship rather than other thought patterns that you could slip into about that. Or you hear a song and it lifts your spirits and your heart just soars for a minute and again, you connect with him. Or you reflect on a friendship and you remind yourself about God's desire to be friends with you and what it's cost him to win that. And you, you go back to a place of worship and you thank him and also frustrations and, and difficult circumstances. You might be heading into a, a conflict kind of scenario where, you know, tempers can get raised and things can get said. And instead of just going in and actually being sort of subject to whatever your temper inflicts on you in that moment, you stop before you go in and you say, Lord, I want you to be with me here and with us and, and to bring good out of this. And, and actually, I want my words to just be your, your words, only, only the words that you would say here. Let those be the only words I would speak. 
And just in those ways, you're beginning to invite God into the rhythm and the everyday ups and downs of your life. The thing about friendship is that it isn't a big thing. It's a million little things. And that's what God, I believe, is calling us into, is to, is to really journey through those little things of life with him. The Christian author, Bruce Wilkinson, takes, sorry, talks about this abiding, saying this. He says his purpose, that's God, he's talking about his purpose, is not that you will do more for him, but that you will be more with him. So what can we expect to see happen? It could be something surprising. It could be fruit, but it could also be pruning. We could see the word of God. We could see the Holy Spirit actually coming along and saying, here's a few things that we actually need to take away here. And it's not because God's trying to set you back, but he's the vine dresser. He's the farmer. He's the one that wants to see the abundant fruit come forward. So anything he takes away, the best thing to do is submit and accept that and thank him for it as well. And even if you don't understand, you submit that to him. You say, Lord, I, I don't know what you're doing, but I see your hand at work and I accept it and I thank you. And I'm in faith expecting more fruit from what you're doing. It could be an abundant harvest where there's been seasons of low yield. The Lord could bring that forward, a great breakthrough. And sometimes the frustrating thing of those seasons of low yield is that they're accompanied by great peaks of high work because what the Lord sees is not what we see. And when we see somebody that's really busy at church doing loads of stuff, you think, wow, that's amazing. Wish I could be like that. But actually what the Lord's saying is that giving that person fruit for their labor wouldn't necessarily be healthy because they're serving in their own strength. And what he wants them to do is say, you know what? Why don't you step back from all that stuff and just spend a wee bit more time with me now? As I was putting this talk together, I kept getting one picture, which I want to share with you just before I finish. And I'm sure that God wanted me to pass it on to you. And it was just this vine, the main trunk of the plant, and the roots going down into the ground and actually through the ground and into a great flood, a torrent of water that just gets deeper and deeper as it goes. And it's full of vigor and power and vitality and strength. And it was just that sense that God was saying, this is what I have for my people. This is what I want to give you. So I wonder, is that definition of friendship, friendship good? Someone to have fun with, someone to trust, someone in whom you confide. That sounds like a good starting place to me. And I just want to ask you and I want to ask myself today to check our connection. How is our connection to the vine? Because that's our job, is to always look and see and ask the question, how's my connection? So let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you held nothing back to take us from slaves to friends. Lord, that you sent your son to open a way for us to come back into relationship with you, that you thought that worthwhile and you thought that a worthy and a high price to pay, but that, that it was worth it, Lord, for us. And I just pray, Lord, that we would be overcome by the reality and the beauty of that and the truth of that as we see it through every page of the Bible. And Lord, 
that it would bring us to a place of just hunger for you. Um, and not in a way that burdens us where we feel we need to tick boxes, but in a way where we just want to share the ups and downs of our lives with you. We want to invite you into every moment, good, bad, or indifferent. Because we know that's where you want to be. You want us to abide with you. And teach us your truth, Lord. Teach us to just pray without ceasing. And Lord, may we see much fruit. And may we just glorify our Father in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.